Welcome to Strange Talk. Hello, strangers. Welcome to another This Week in Crime. Did I just say This Week in Crime? God, I can never fucking get the intro like perfectly fine, and that fucking sucks. But anyways, welcome to another This Week in Crime. Um, this Week in Crime for the new listeners is um, I bring you news articles from around the world or from good old America that I just find interesting, funny, fucked up, or just strange and fucking weird. And uh, I kind of talk about them. But usually before I get into the articles, I usually just shoot the shit and just pretend like I'm actually talking to you in a room like I have friends. But anyways, um, so I never finished, um, what is it called? that Ted Bundy confession tapes because as I was watching it they kind of glossed over a lot of things that happened and maybe that's what they weren't trying to do but they kind of try to perceive them as this very like strong not strong but like a very like charismatic guy which granted he is he's very charismatic which was why he was able to just get away with the crime that he was getting away with but they it, it, it was sort of like they were kind of glorifying him in a way like like they talked the way they spoke about him the way they talked about him it was just kind of like you know it's it's very weird so i couldn't finish watching it because part of me as i was watching it one the big reason why number one was because i just thought it was kind of fucking boring after a while and i was like oh my god like because he just would ramble sometimes in some of the confession tapes uh, and he tried to thought he was like very uh, uh, philosophical and shit and he wasn't he was just kind of full of himself but the way he was was like i don't know i can't explain it he was just kind of very full of himself and i didn't like it but i another part of me was like god he's probably just in hell just fucking loving this and just jerking off to the fact that people are still talking about him to this day which is why I never really done an episode on on him because he's been done to death on every other podcast, every every other true crime podcast. So I was just like, you know what? I'm not really gonna give him the time of day, and it's kind of bad. Although I do hear when and if and whenever. If you've never seen the series, I recommend you watch it on Netflix. It's called the, the no, it's called Mind Hunters. God, I love that show. It was really good. The guy that they got to play Ed Kemper, my God. He's fucking amazing. That I don't want to spoil it, but the, the last scene on the last episode of the whole show was just fucking amazing, and I thought it. I, God, man, it was so good. But I love that show. For those of you that don't know what Mindhunter is, Mindhunter is a show um, loosely based on the real events of the two FBI agents. I don't remember their names because I'm fucking horrible, and I never think to like, hey, if I'm gonna talk about something, just I should find the information on it. But anyways. It's loosely based off the real events of the FBI agency when they first started um, criminal profiling because criminal profiling in the FBI agency wasn't really a thing. So they were newbies. They were trying to put it together because the FBI agency didn't really have a lot of faith in them. They thought that what's the purpose of trying to figure out the mind of a killer because at this time serial killer, the term wasn't even created. It was actually one of the FBI agents who created the term serial killer. And you learn all that in the show and everything. And it's loosely based off of the book that was actually written by the real life FBI agent that was doing the um, criminal profiling and everything. So it's loosely based off of the book under the same name, Mindhunters. 
And um, so they go around speaking with different serial killers. They go and talk to Ed Kemper, who you know. Obviously, Bumblebutt podcasts are based around Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer. And they go and talk with other killers and stuff like that. And it's a really good show. The 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 way it ended, it was kind of leading to the BTK killer. So he's going to be... Because in the beginning of the, the series, you kind of see him starting off and and that's what i loved about it is because when they talked about it how they went through the transition of like oh if you you know sometimes he just has these fantasies the killer has fantasies but eventually the fantasies won't do anything for him and he'll eventually have to actually make it a reality and it kind of shows that with the btk um the btk and everything and, it, and it's just it's a really good show the beginning episode is really fucking brutal and it's really good. I fucking love it. I can't recommend it enough. Go out and watch Mindhunters. If you've never given it a shot, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. It is slow. The It's very slow, so it's not for everybody. If you don't like dialogue, if you want nothing but just pure action and stuff like that, don't go and watch Mindhunters. It's not going to be for you. But having said that, I feel like I chit-chatted enough and wasted your time. Let's move on to the actual articles. So the first article we have for you today is police are investigating after a tiger was found in a home in Houston on Monday, reports the CBS affiliate there, KHOU-TV. Officials said two people who went into the abandoned home to smoke cannabis called 311 when they found the large cat. 311 officials transferred the call, the the BRC animal shelter, which got a warrant to search the home. Cruz nicknamed the Tyson, nicknamed him Tyson after a character in the movie The Hangover. Officers said Tyson was well fed and in good shape, but in accommodations poorly suited for him. He's in a rinky dink cage that could easily bust open. It was secure. Excuse me. It was secured with nylon strap and a screwdriver for the top of the cage. He could have gone on a rampage in the city. Anything could have happened, said Sergeant Jason. Alderet of the Houston Police Major Offender Animal Cruelty Unit. The unit and the the Bar C tranquilized Tyson so they could move him to BARC for the night. On Tuesday, an undisclosed animal sanctuary in Texas will transport Tyson to his new home. The location isn't being made public while an investigation into who owns the tiger continues. It's legal to own a tiger in Texas if the owner has a wild game permit, but it's illegal to have one in Houston and Tyson's owner if found, could face a hefty fine. It's big and it's scary, said neighbor Pablo Vargas. A lot of kids around the street, too. My kids. The neighbor has kids, so it's scary. Okay, so that's the first article. I'm kind of uh, held back in articles, but I'm not featuring all of them because, to be honest with you, I get some from some listeners, but the number one listener that I get them most from is the man, the myth, the legend himself, at Rocky the Collector. So go ahead and follow him and tell him what's up because he's awesome for fucking sending me a bunch of shit. He's what's keeping This Week in Crime alive. He's basically like an unaffiliated researcher for me, if you will. So thank you to at Rocky the Collector for always doing the research for me. So this article is really short, but this one is um, TSA officers discover a real golden grenade in checked bag at Newark Liberty International Airport. TSA officers detected a golden grenade in a check bag at Newark Liberty International Airport Wednesday morning. According to TSA, 
Upon inspection, it was determined the golden device was an actual grenade that was made inert. The man who was in possession of the grenade said he was flying to flying to military. TSA officials allowed the man to fly to Phoenix, his destination, without the grenade. Officials warned the grenades, live or inert, are not allowed on planes, even in check bags, since they look real and look live on an X-ray monitor. So that's a pretty... Uh, Pretty uh, fucking short article, but there you go. So he was flying with an actual, real, live grenade. Now this next one is kind of, uh, it's not long, but it's kind of uh, devastating that it actually happened. Um, So here we go. A Mexican businesswoman's decapitated body was discovered with a note that reportedly said she was killed because her husband didn't want to pay a ransom. The body of Susana... Carrero was found last Wednesday inside a bag in a parking lot in the coastal city of... I'm not even going to try to attempt to say that. God, I'm fucking Mexican and I can't even pronounce that. I'm a horrible Mexican. Coastal city of... Oh, fuck it. I'm going to try to say it. Coastal city of Cotzacolocos <laughs> in the state of Veracruz. She had, she had been kidnapped a week earlier outside a friend's house where she had gone to pick up one of her children. <laughs> Heroine security camera footage showed her captors pulling up in a car, grabbing her, and quickly throwing her into a car in a matter of seconds. The kidnappers left a note alongside the woman's body, according to local media, which read, This happened to me because my husband played the tough guy and didn't want to pay my ransom. The family confirmed they could not collect the funds to the ransom, according to the Geraldo, the Mexico newspaper. The kidnappers reportedly asked for a ransom of 4 million Mexican pesos, which translates to 207,000 American dollars. Hours after her body was found, Carrera's husband, Luis um, Manriquez, God, why, did, why can't I fucking say that name for some reason, confirmed her death in a message on social media. Thank you very much to everyone for your prayers and wishes for my wife, Susana Carrera, to return home. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to, and she passed away. The couple were owners of the aluminum company Pesalimino, which had an office in, you know, the place where she's from. I'm not going to try to say it again. It's unclear why the kidnappers targeted Carrera. Local media shared photos that purportedly showed Carrera's body and a copy of the note. Prosecutors in Veracruz announced Monday that it had launched an investigation into how the photo was leaked to media which were probably taken at the medical examiner's office. The office of the attorney general of the state will not tolerate situations like this one, which constitutes a revictimization and a breach of the duty of secrecy within the investigation. The prosecutor said in a statement, no arrests have been reported so far. The number of kidnappings has reportedly risen in the city of Cotazocalocos with 49 reported in 2018. More than 160 homicides were reported last year. Ah, oh, God, I can't fucking say that name. This is the time that I wish I was, like, super fucking Mexican. Anyways, let's move on to the next article. A Houston family was overcharged $1,600 for their pizza. A Houston family said they were charged more than $1,600 for a Domino's pizza order that should have been less than $20. Domino's confirmed officials have looked into the complaint after the family and possibly others were charged thousands of dollars for otherwise standard pizza orders. The pizza chain said wrong payment amounts were charged Friday due to an error 
The company said it is working with its payment vendor to fix the issue and correct any affected transactions. Domino's previously made similar headlines in 2014 when a Newport Wales man was charged $307,891 for a $30.80 order. The chain said that incident was a result of an authorization code being added to the price instead of going in the proper field on a computer form. Interesting. That's a lot of money for a fucking pizza. So let's move on to the next one. We're kind of just rushing through them because I'm kind of pressed for time. I'm not going to lie for you guys. And it really sucks. But who knows? Hopefully you guys get something out of it or not. Anyways, this one is a Wisconsin high school cheerleaders receive awards for biggest breasts and butt at banquet. Wisconsin High School has reportedly come under fire for a cheerleading award ceremony last year that saw some of the teens win accolades such as the Big Booby and Big Booty Awards. Appalled parents contacted the American Civil Liberties Union, and on Tuesday, the group sent a warning to the Kenosha Unified School District that it might file a lawsuit over Tremper High School's mock award ceremony, the New York Times reported. The ACLU accused the cheerleading coaches at the school of making inappropriate comments toward the students and claimed the district was enabling sexual harassment. The group called on the district to take appropriate action against the coaches. Tremper High School cheerleading coaches gave out awards to a girl for her supposedly enormous boobs and a big booty award to another because everybody loves her butt. A freshman cheerleader also received the String Bean Award because she was so light and skinny. Parents... Were at the event. <laughs> Parents who were at the event told the New York Times they were uncomfortable with the contest. I look around and thought, did that just happen? If my daughter would have won one of those awards, I would have absolutely been rushing the stage in excitement. No, I'm joking. It was just so wrong in so many ways. One mother told the newspaper. Tremper High School principal Steve Nett was reportedly contacted about the awards by several other coaches and addressed the issue with cheerleading coach Patty Utek. The cheerleading coach told Ned that the awards were first given out in 2017 and that the senior class had originally picked them out because of the things cheerleaders are required to do every day. They're always getting their getting butts in their faces and other body parts. Utek told school administrators, according to the New York Times, Utek was asked to resign in May of 2018 and told if she wanted to still be a part of the team, it should be in a behind-the-scenes capacity. Utek apologized to the girls but refused to resign. Tremper High School was told not to give out those kinds of rewards at any future banquets. A clear expectation has been set that awards of this nature are not acceptable and are not to be given at Tremper cheerleading banquets going forward. Kenosha Unified School District Chief Communications Officer Tanya Reuter told, As for the investigation, we are not at liberty to share personal matters. Jeez. So... <laughs> there's that one i guess through the cheerleading one okay so here's this one the next article we're moving on to a u.s coast guard lieutenant and self-identified white nationalist was arrested after federal investigators uncovered a cache of weapons and ammunition in his maryland home that authorities say he stockpiled to launch a widespread domestic terrorist attack targeting politicians and journalists Christopher Paul Hansen called for a focused violence to establish a white homeland and said, I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on, on the earth. In one of his letters that contemplated launching a biological plague, 
according to court records filed in U.S. District Court in Maryland. Though court documents do not detail a specific planned date for an attack, the government said he had been amassing supplies and weapons since at least 2017, developed a spreadsheet of targets that included House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and searched the internet using phrases such as best place in D.C. to seek congresspeople and are Supreme Court justices protected. The defendant intends to murder innocent civilians on a scale rarely seen in this country. The government said in court documents filed this week, arguing that Hansen should stay in jail awaiting trial. Hansen, 49 years old, of Silver Spring, is expected to appear before a judge for a detention hearing in federal court in Greenbelt at 1 p.m. on Thursday. Hansen was arrested on charges of possessing illegal weapons and drugs on Friday, but the government said those changes are the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Officials with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Maryland outlined Hansen's alleged plans to spark chaos and destruction in court documents, describing a man obsessed with neo-fascist and neo-Nazi views. Please send me your violence that I may unleash it onto their heads, Hansen wrote in a letter that prosecutors said was found in his email drafts. Guide my hate to make a lasting impression on this world. <laughs> a mansecrated judge ordered the Federal Public Defender's Office to represent Hansen. The office declined to comment on Wednesday. Hansen has been working at the U.S. Coast Guard headquarters in Washington since 2016, according to court documents filed by prosecutors. He's also served in the U.S. Marine Corps between 1988 to 1993 and in the Army National Guard for above for about two years in the mid-1990s, the filing state. Agents with the FBI field office in Baltimore and the Coast Guard Investigative Service arrested Hansen on Friday. FBI Baltimore spokesman Dave Fitz confirmed. A Coast Guard spokesman, Lieutenant Commander Scott McBride, said Wednesday that Hansen no longer works at Coast Guard headquarters. An active duty Coast Guard member stationed at Coast Guard headquarters in Washington, D.C. was arrested last week on illegal weapons and drug charges as a result of ongoing investigation led by Coast Guard Investigation Services. I keep saying Coast Guard a lot in this article. In cooperation with the FBI and the Department of Justice, McBride said in a written statement, McBride declined to comment further, citing the open investigation. Court documents do not detail what prompted federal law enforcement to begin investigating Hansen, but contend that Hansen had been studying the 1,500-page manifesto of right-wing terrorist Anders Bering Breivik, who unleashed two attacks in 2011 that killed 77 people in Norway and echo Breivik's attack preparations. The manifesto outlined how Breivik planned and prepared his attacks with the aim of providing a roadmap for others planning similar terrorist operations, the U.S. court filings say. Breivik took steroids and narcotics, believing it would heighten his abilities to carry out attacks. When law enforcement raided Hansen's apartment, they said they found a locked container loaded with more than 30 vials of what appeared to be human growth hormone. He, he has also ordered more than 4,200 pills of narcotic Tremadol since 2016, along with synthetic urine to allegedly bypass possible random drug screenings at work, they said. Breivik encouraged identifying targets and traders in recent weeks. According to the court filings, Hansen developed a spreadsheet of targets that included top Democratic congressional leaders and media personalities. The list includes Joey, what prosecutors say is a reference to former Congressman Joey Sicarbo. Sicoboro. Sicarboro, 
Anyways, now of MSNBC Cortez, an alleged reference to freshman uh, rep Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Sen Blumenjew, presumably about Senator Richard Blumenthal. Authorities seized 15 firearms, including several long guns and rifles and more than a thousand rounds of ammunition from his cramped basement apartment after, of course it would be a basement, after executing a search warrant this month. Over the past two years, he I could just imagine this dude probably still lives with his mom and, and his mom's like, Hands in! Mom, I'm busy! Hands in! Your hot pocket's ready! Okay. <laughs> he had made nearly 2,000 purchases of firearms or related equipment and made thousands of visits to websites selling weapons or tactical gear. The filing was first reported Wednesday afternoon by the Program on Extremism at George Washington University. Authorities said Hansen harbored extremist views for years. The defendant is a domestic terrorist. The government said in court filings bent on communicating acts dangerous to human life that are intended to affect governmental conduct. In an email he drafted in June of 2017, he contemplated biological attacks and targeting food supplies. According to the court filings, he considered the merits of a bombing sniper campaign and included a things to do list that included purchasing land out west or possibly possibly NCMTNS for family and researching tactics used during the civil war in Ukraine during unrest target both sides to increase tension. Hansen wrote in the email, according to the court filings, in other words, provoke government police to overreact, which should help to escalate violence. Black lives uh, matter protests or other left crap would be ideal to incite the violence. This is what he's saying in the email that he wrote. And another letter drafted months later to an American neo-Nazi leader cited in the court filing, Hansen called for a white homeland. He sent the letter to himself nearly two months after the neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville, where, where torch-carrying white supremacists clashed with anti-racist protesters. I never saw a reason for a mass protest or wearing uniforms marching around provoking people with swastikas ex- Hansen said in the letter, according to court filings, I was and am, am, was and am a man of action who cannot change minds protesting like that. However, you can make change with a little focus violence. Hansen's commitment to destruction appeared heightened in recent weeks, according to prosecutors. He created a list of traitors and targets on January 19th in an Excel spreadsheet on his work computer. They said which was created two days after he conducted several internet inquiries. At 8.45 a.m., what if Trump illegally impeached? (laughs) 8.57 a.m., best place in D.C. to see Congress people. 8.58 a.m., where in D.C. to Congress live? (laughs) 10.39 a.m., civil war if Trump impeached. 11.26 a.m., social Democrats USA is what... He's all basically putting in and searching. The arrest marks the second time that the service has responded to an incident involving alleged white supremacy in recent months. In September, the Coast Guard reprimanded a service member who flashed what some people identified as a white supremacy sign in the background of a televised interview with another officer during the response to Hurricane Florence. We are aware of the offensive video on Twitter. The Coast Guard has identified the member and removed him from the response. The service said at the time in a tweet, his actions do not reflect those of the United States Coast Guard. The individual was never identified. (laughs) So that was a pretty long one. Now, 
Here's the last article that we have for This Week in Crime, but it's probably my favorite because I'm a huge fucking Star Wars fan, and so I might be contemplating whether I want to move to fucking France. So the force is getting... Oh my god, the way this starts. The force is getting stronger in France, where the French Fencing Federation has officially recognized lightsaber dueling as a competitive sport. According to the Associated Press, the Federation has given the iconic Star Wars weapon the same status as the traditional blades. The foil épée and saber, and competitors can now begin to train like Luke Skywalker. The LED-lit, rigid, polycarbonate lightsaber replicas used in competition won't be able to cut an opponent in half, but they do look, feel, and sound pretty similar to George Lucas's version. The Federation is now providing lightsabers to fencing clubs and training lightsaber instructors in the ways of the Jedi. Oh my god, even I feel fucking nerdy reading this. Federation Secretary General Serge Abuali told the AP he hopes the popularity of Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Darth Vader will draw more young people to fencing. Okay, so basically they're just trying to pander to a young demographic so they can just keep fencing up there. Because I can't imagine, like... I mean, if you enjoy fencing, that's cool. But I can't imagine there's, like, a lot of people, like... You get what I'm saying? Like, basketball, everybody knows, like, their players. But maybe there are people, but you'd have to be... I imagine it's a very, very like small demographic because i don't imagine there's like girls hanging up like maybe in france but there's like girls hanging up fencers on their fucking wall and you know but anyways um vader will draw more young people to fencing cape and sword movies have always had a big impact on our federation and its growth abuali said lightsaber films have the same impact young people want to give it a try the new sport will be governed a new set of rules some of which are more typical of fencing than others Ugh. Oh my god. I mean, I don't know. I'd probably want to do it. I'd probably want to do it. Fighters still need to wear masks and armor for protection, but matches take place inside a circle taped on the floor rather than a rectangular strip. Five points are awarded for strikes to the head or body, three points for the arms or legs, and one point for the hands. The first to reach 15 points or the highest score after three minutes wins the match. Sudden death occurs in both fighters occurs if both fighters reach 10 points. In this case, the first to strike the head or body wins. To add the entertainment value of the fight, strikes are only awarded if the finger if the fighter <laughs> first swings their lightsaber behind them as they do in the films. Interesting. The dark side that the federation is fighting is is the childhood obesity epidemic and the popularity of more sanitary video games. With young people today, it's a real public health issue. They don't do any sport and only exercise with their thumbs, Abali told the AP. It's becoming difficult to persuade them to do a sport that has no connection with getting out of the sofa and playing with one's thumbs. That is why we are trying to create a bond between our discipline and modern technologies so participating in a sport feels natural. So the, I, this was going to be – that last article I read was going to be the last article, but I found this article and I had to read it to you guys because it's pretty fucking devastating and I I can't believe it happened. But uh, we live in a fucked up world. So deputies discovered two malnourished children crammed into a locked dog cage and two more smeared with feces and urine in a barn in North Texas on Tuesday. A sheriff described it as the worst case of child abuse he'd ever seen. The barn was crudely fashioned into living quarters. 
Wise County Sheriff Lane Atkins said, adding that all the children were hungry and thirsty around 7.20 a.m. when deputies responding to a domestic disturbance found them on the property near Rome, about 20 miles north of Fort Worth. There was plenty of food inside the barn, but the refrigerator and the cabinets had been locked so the kids could not get in to get food. There were three boys ages 5, 3, and 1, and a 4-year-old girl, he said. The oldest two were locked in the cage that was just 3 by 3 feet, and the other two were filthy and only partially clothed, Atkins said. Andrew Joseph Fabila and Paige Isabel Harkins, both 24, were charged with four counts of criminal child endangerment. Wise County jail records show Harkins also was charged with aggravated assault. Atkin told the Dallas Morning News it was the worst case of child abuse he'd seen in his 44 years in law enforcement. God, I love it when cops say that because it just reminds me of like, this is the worst case of child abuse I've seen in, in my 44 years in law enforcement. I've not worked one where children are locked inside a dog kennel, and I find that absolutely disgusting, he said. The children were taken to Cook Children's Medical Center in Fort Worth for evaluation. The hospital spokeswoman declined to disclose their conditions. They were put into foster care when they were released. Deputies responded to a domestic violence call about a fight between Fabula and Harkins that lasted up to five hours and were speaking with them when they heard children's voices coming from the barn. The woman is the mother of all four children and the man is father of one of them. Fabulia had cuts to his face. Neighbor Amber Jester said she wasn't even aware there were any children living there. You'd think that being right across the street, we would know something. You'd like to say you would do something, but you don't know. I guess you never know what people are doing inside their homes. Marissa Gonzalez, a spokeswoman for the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, said the agency has contacted has contact with the family before, but at a different location. So they've been on their radar for quite some time. At least it didn't... Well, I mean, we don't know yet because we don't. We haven't been given any updates as of yet. Because this article was published um, on the 13th of February. So I wonder if it's... Um, it's, it's, you know, it's been quite some time. So I can't imagine... Uh, well, I mean, imagine if they died, we, we'd have to look into it. But I'll do some, I'll do some research and maybe put it in the, the next this week in crime or next week. But I hope they're okay. But it's good that at least they were found before something worse happened because, ah, oh, fucking child protective services should, should. I don't know. They need to pick up their game, man. Well, thank you guys for joining me on another this week in crime. Stay tuned for Monday's episode. Hopefully, we'll get be something good. I don't know. I got something cooking up. We'll never know. But thank you again for joining me on This Week in Crime. So if you want to be, if you want your news article featured in This Week in Crime, feel free to send it to me by way of email at strangetalkpodcast.outlook.com. Or if you want to send it to me on Instagram through the DM, you can do so by following me at Strange Talk Podcast. So thank you to each and every one of you who takes the time to listen to every single episode, whether you like it or not. Thank you nonetheless. Stay awesome. And most importantly, stay strange.